Welcome to Caregiver SOS On Air, presented by the WellMed Charitable Foundation with nationally known gerontologist Carol Zernio and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron. This program provides health, wellness, and other information for caregivers who are vital to the health and well-being of so many people across our country. Now, here are your hosts, Ron Aaron and Carol Zernio. Well, thank you very much, and welcome to Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron. Our co-host, Carol Zerniel, is with us briefly. She's got some other things she's going to have to do, but I wanted to bring her on and have her join us just so all of our listeners would know she is indeed alive and well. Carol, as many of you know, is a nationally known gerontologist, heads up the WellMed Charitable Foundation, and uh, spends a lot of her time in the last several weeks working on the very special effort WellMed is making uh, to help not only employees, but many of those served by WellMed clinics uh, with the COVID-19 coronavirus. And Carol Zernio, thanks for coming on. Well, thank you very much. I'm sorry I can't be there in the studio in person. Well, that would be uh, closer than eight feet apart. So, no, we couldn't do that. That We couldn't do that. We, we are definitely taking the social distancing seriously. We encourage everybody um, that's high risk to stay home and to continue to social distance, regardless of what you hear in the news. And one of the things that uh, I realized when I was trying to figure if we could get you to, to be on the show today, the incredible hours that you are putting into uh, the effort across the uh, entire WellMed uh, system, trying to help both WellMed employees and those who are seniors at our senior centers and elsewhere, uh, this is becoming an all-hands-on effort on behalf of the company. Well, it really is, and, you know, we are directly involved in food assistance for our patients that really don't have any other way to get food. Um, they can't afford it. There's no one to go to the store for them. And so it's, it's literally hundreds of patients we've touched so far Uh, and I expect it will grow into the thousands in pretty short order. So we're doing drive-by meals, grocery deliveries, meals on wheels, food bank boxes. Uh, People have seen the lines for the food bank deliveries here in the San Antonio and other markets, but the the food needs are are really severe right now. And uh, I think it's worth certainly pointing out that Dr. Rapier donated a sizable amount of money uh, to try to feed seniors. Well, he has, and, and then our employees have stepped up. Uh, we've raised almost half a million dollars from our, our physicians, those people in our well-med clinics, the staff in the corporate offices. Uh, you know, Dr. Peer uh, and the leadership, they do lead by example, and I'm happy to report that our employees are taking this seriously and giving back, and I encourage everyone to think of those who may be in a tough situation right now and to give to those charities in your local communities. So it's interesting. One of the things that has struck me during uh, all of this COVID-19 over the last now months is how your job and, and your responsibilities changed overnight. Uh, suddenly you're you know, knee-deep and beyond in trying to help folks who desperately need help. Well, you know, it's been interesting. We, we, you know, we've supported other organizations, uh, and we've directly run, like, this show, the caregiver services, our senior centers, but now it's really that one-on-one patient assistance. And so, yes, it's very different. Well, take care of yourself. I really appreciate you carving out a few minutes for us on Caregiver SOS On Air, and we will talk again soon. Well, thank you so much, and my best to all the caregivers. Stay safe. Take care. Bye-bye. Carol Zerniel, who is the executive director of the WellMed Charitable Foundation, co-host of this program, who we uh, miss a whole lot, 
but is, uh, as I said, knee-deep and in, in more in trying to develop and work on the COVID-19 response on behalf of the WellMed Charitable Foundation and WellMed Medical Management. So we thank Carol very much for joining us here on Caregiver SOS On Air. We're going to take just a moment and connect with our next guest, who is Merrill Comer, very involved in both early onset and traditional Alzheimer's. And for those who are caring for someone with Alzheimer's, uh, you've spent a whole lot of time with them ordinarily, and now where folks are sheltering in place is become even more intensive. And we will talk with Merrill Comer to get some ideas on how to make that a little bit easier. Up next on Caregiver SOS On Air. You may be experiencing anxiety or stress regarding all the news about COVID-19 or what is commonly referred to as coronavirus. You are not alone. Optum is opening its emotional support helpline, providing access to specially trained mental health specialists. This is a toll-free number, and it will be open 24 hours a day, seven days a week for as long as necessary. This is a free service. Anyone in need of emotional support is welcome to call. The number is 866-342-6892. That's 866-342-6892. One more time, 866-342-6892. All right, I'm going to be strong. I am not going to open this bag of Doritos that is sitting right next to me here in our uh, Caregiver SOS on-air studios. I am not going to eat those Doritos at the moment, anyhow. Hey, I'm Ron Aaron. Thanks for joining us on Caregiver SOS on-air. We uh, had a chance, if you've just joined us, we had a chance at the top of the show to talk to Carol Zerniel, who is our co-host and who is uh, knee-deep and beyond in working on COVID-19 on behalf of uh, the WellMed Charitable Foundation and WellMed Medical Management. So she has been working 12 to 14 to 16-hour days. And uh, in terms of time to co-host this show, she'll be back as soon as we have that nasty virus under control. In the meantime, we're delighted to welcome to our Caregiver SOS on-air hotline, Meryl Comer. Meryl is president and CEO of Jeffrey Bean Foundation Alzheimer's Initiative. You have seen her in the news and on the news for a number of years talking about both early onset and uh, traditional Alzheimer's. She has had the misfortune and has learned a lot from it of dealing with both, and we will talk with her about that. She's also the author of Slow Dancing with a Stranger, and the sales of that book 100% go to support Alzheimer's research. I'm Ron Aaron. Merrill Comer, thanks for coming on Caregiver SOS On Air. Thank you, Ron. Would you pass me the Doritos if you're not (laughs) taking them (laughs) They are with arm's reach, and I am not going to eat those Doritos at That's the, good. We'll just at keep the moment. That's fine. Exactly. Yeah. So I mentioned that, you know, you dealt with Alzheimer's as a spouse, as a caregiver, both early onset and so-called uh, traditional Alzheimer's. Just your luck, you had to experience both. I uh, cared for both my mother and uh, with the advanced classic dementia, and my husband, who was a physician who got early onset Alzheimer's, and I've been a caregiver for 24 years. So uh, 
it was at a time, if you go back 24 years, nobody even talked about the disease. And my husband was misdiagnosed about four or five years. So I have run the gamut of experiences and made a lot of it up, quite frankly, as I went along because there was a lack of information as well. Now, knowing that you were coming on today, I had teased that I'm sure uh, you have taken a look at how the impact of uh, the COVID-19 coronavirus is affecting caregivers and care recipients in in households where Alzheimer's is, uh, the disease and the challenge facing many of the care recipients. For the caregiver, it's a 24-7 job anyhow, and now because so many of us have been told, don't leave your house, Uh, You're in a situation where you may not even get a break for a moment or two. What have you learned about folks who are dealing with the current environment? Well, let me just share how we learn about that environment. Um, With us against, I'm with us against Alzheimer's as a founding member, and we launched what we call the A-List, which is an online community of people who are either at risk for Alzheimer's, are caregivers, former and current, uh, and that. That's a body of information because we all have stories to tell, but it's really, we call it data with soul. We really understand what matters most. And let's face it, as you pointed out, Alzheimer's family caregivers are the frontline healthcare workers in their homes. We have already managed isolation. We manage stress daily. So we actually put out a survey on the impact on Alzheimer's caregivers. And Some of this will not surprise you, but the biggest concerns were really in the high level of stress, isolation, financial concerns, around 71%, and there were over 800 who responded to the survey, 71% unsure of what would happen to a loved one with Alzheimer's if the caregiver got sick. And this is a big issue. There is no plan B in our country if the caregiver goes down. And, you know, the majority of us are unpaid family caregivers. The other was 82% of caregivers say their stress is higher now than before the coronavirus. And, again, we understand why. They were concerned 74% about their financial health and their finances, And 37%, because this is an interesting dynamic, the order to shelter in place for their family was creating additional tension about keeping a loved one at home. And 24% said it was hard for them or another family member to be close to a loved one with Alzheimer's 24 hours a day. And that uncovers that quiet, sort of stoic uh, attitude of, Every family caregiver, Ron, that I've ever met, we just push through without question. And then all of a sudden, our family members who are living with us 24-7 say, oh, that's what mom or grandma does for grandpa. So it's an eye-opener for the community. Uh, For those who had their loved ones in facilities, there was also a great deal of frustration because they don't have access to their loved ones. In fact... uh... You had all these dynamics swirling around, which I felt was really uh, quite powerful. Uh, I mentioned the other day uh, when we were uh, recording another show a week or so ago, uh, I have a neighbor whose wife uh, has Alzheimer's, and she is at the point now where she doesn't recognize uh, her husband, 
uh, has no idea who he is. He goes there every day to see her. Uh, but when they barred him and others from going into uh, the memory unit where she is, and they said, oh, we've got a window she can look out at you. Uh, and, and, and he said, you know, that doesn't help at all because she has no idea who I am. In fact, looking out a window, seeing a bunch of strangers staring at her is worse than not seeing anybody at all. So that was very unsatisfactory. And you've got to love my neighbor. He went to war with the uh, retirement community. He said, look, your letter said uh, that only those who are integral to the health, safety, and welfare of a patient can come in. Well, I am one of those people. I feed her. I dress her. I care for her. And he wanted to let him back in to see her. Well, I think it's important. You know, you either manage the care at home yourself or you manage the institution or facility where your where your loved one is staying. And, you know, some of the statistics we had that, you know, 33% say that they were more confident about care of their loved ones and relieved that they were in a facility because they didn't think they could manage the care at home. But if you... Think about your friend, Ron. He is really an unpaid staffer right. in a facility. He is uh, feeding, bathing, attentive, uh, not rushing feeding. I mean, all the dynamics of why families uh, are there. You know, and I think that point is striking. She would not identify with people standing outside. Correct. Um, Correct. And he is, uh, and I'm trying to encourage him to let me... Uh, write a story about him because uh, it's an incredible love story. They were very close for many, many years, have uh, a couple of children, had a great marriage, and then, of course, she began that long journey uh, that has no recovery in sight. Uh, And yet he has maintained that relationship. Every Saturday for the last decade, he has taken her to the hairdresser to get her hair done. Now, to her, it it doesn't really mean much, uh, but to him it's important that she look the best that he can help her look. He takes her uh, out to dinner once a week and does all these things uh, out of his incredible love and caring for her. And yet when I said to him, uh, you know, hey, how you doing? He said, you know, look at me. I am not doing well. This is really tough. (laughs) I'm not laughing. It's the dignity and pride of a generation. But I also think it's important to understand that If you look today, when I left my career when I was 48 years of age, when my husband got sick, thinking I would fix something, well, there wasn't enough known at that point in time, and I was a reporter. I didn't know about Alzheimer's. When you look back, when I looked back and wrote my book 20 years later, nothing has changed. But the average age of the caregiver is 49 years of age. Wow. So it is the uh, sandwich generation where... They can't manage their uh, mother or father at home because they have younger children. So this is the dynamic that's the churn. And they have entrusted their loved one to a surrogate in a facility. So we're all wrestling uh, with the, you know, this intensity of a problem, but that heightened sense of awareness of what it really means to be 24-7 with someone is uh, is an eye-opener for those who don't do it. You know, it's like the long-distance um, brother or sister who second-guesses everything that you do on the front lines because they're not there. <laughs> now everybody's living it together. Um, well, I'll tell you how my brother handled that. My uh, uh, dad uh, developed dementia. I live here in uh, San Antonio. My brother 
Uh, Jimmy lives outside of Cleveland, Ohio. My folks were living at the time. Both are now deceased uh, in Cleveland. And he became uh, really the, the, the caregiver for both my mom and my dad. Uh, after my dad passed away, I called him one time. Well, we talked a lot, but in one conversation, Merrill, I said to him, you know, Jimmy, I, I've been thinking and I've, I've done some reading and I, I do a show on, on caregiving. Have you ever thought about doing X? And I don't remember what it was. And I remember there was a slight pause and he said to me, you know, that's a great idea. Mom will be on the next flight to San Antonio. I'll have her bag shipped by FedEx, and you can do whatever the hell you want to do with her. I, I do have to tell you, Ron, as someone who does the hands-on care and has done it for years, when a man does that for a spouse, right? I, I can't tell you. Um, I'm just so overwhelmed. You know, two-thirds of this disease impact women both as victims and as caregivers. But when men take on that responsibility, and those percentages are rising uh, with sons who are taking care of their dads or their mothers, it's that intimacy of care that they have to push through. I mean, the hardest thing for a man is to, you know, bathe and toilet his mother. Right. I mean, and no one wants that kind of dynamic in a family relationship. And she doesn't want it either. And she would never have wanted it. And right. I think, you know, that was the core of four families through when we started us against Alzheimer's. We saw the pain. We lived it. And we said, this is really unacceptable, even for the A-list. You know, when I say we all have stories to tell, you've recounted several from people you know. But the power of coming together and answering questions that can then inform the regulators. Should caregivers be paid? Uh, what other services should we have? Because, let's face it, long-term care, unless you have insurance, is out of pocket. And unaffordable. And unaffordable and a straight financial bleed. It is the biggest payout for insurers, and they have stopped offering it, quite frankly. But what it does to families, it's bankrupting. And that compounded with the care is a dynamic. You know, to me, it is sort of the slow creep and a mirror of how we live in this COVID, in this COVID world, quite frankly. Think about it. Um, no or insufficient numbers of tests, long waits for assessments. Right now, the assessment wait is for six months to get an assessment on a loved one. Six months in our space is too long. Healthcare providers, unsure of what to do. No disease-modifying therapy, lack of information, or a lot of conflicting information online. And the isolation and that 24-7 uh, high-stress environment and the toll. What we learn about the caregivers is they're what we call the invisible patient. We're getting sick. In fact, if you take a look at the statistics, uh, nearly 50% of caregivers predecease the care recipients. Let, let me remind those who may have just joined us, you're listening to Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron. Our very special guest is Meryl Comer, who I'm going to go down memory lane with her in a moment because she and I have met. I worked in radio in Washington, D.C. many years ago. And uh, Meryl, you were an ace reporter and you still are. So it's, uh, it's really great talking with you. Us wrong. <laughs> I, I am. We, we never dated, but I am dating us. That is correct. Now, where did you work in broadcasting? 
I worked for many years in broadcasting um, and then became a noisy advocate. Let's put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> well, I worked for NBC in Washington, D.C. for a lot of years, and uh, I'm a noisy guy on the radio now, so same idea. But if you weren't a noisy advocate, nothing would get done. Well, you know, the irony is the natural advocate is the caregiver, but we're too worn out. But to me, I have to tell you that being an advocate and teaming up with other members of families like us against Alzheimer's, and I'm proud because we started in 2012 saying things aren't moving enough fast enough for our families. We sort of banded together, and we stepped forward because we had to speed things up. We saw the train wreck coming, and all the numbers of families that would be in, you know, impacted. For me, the reality, Ron, was no matter what I do at home for my husband and my mother, and I've done it with love for years, the disease is going to win. So to me, being an advocate, let me fight the disease on a different plane. And I really encourage, because it gets lonely, it gets depressing, and that's another reason for the A-list. We want to validate Everyone in the field, because you're an expert in your life. And how do we make that count for something? And that, to me, is how I sort of went from, uh, you know, being in the media to saying, we've got to communicate this better. We have to push this, our point of view, what matters most to us, out into the world. So I'm still going strong. Uh, I won't stop unless we put this disease uh, to rest. And I'm afraid I don't want to be a burden to my kids, Ron. That's the last thing I want to be. And I want it off the table for the next generation. Tell us us about uh, slow dancing with a stranger. I was, uh, I promised as a journalist, you'll appreciate that, never to write a book because I'd interviewed so many people with nothing to say. Exactly. (laughs) But being an advocate and... Seeing how they portrayed the disease, Alzheimer's, as this little old lady who didn't remember her address, to me was a disservice to the families because it becomes the cruelest of diseases when you don't know who you are, when you don't remember your loved ones, who you can't, where you can't maintain your independence. So I was approached to write a book, and I said, no, no. They chased me for five years, and I finally said, well, it's going to be unvarnished, and I'm going to write public policy, and they said, just tell your story. And when I wrote it, what I realized is I was so busy as a caregiver moving forward from crisis to crisis and trying to carve out small victories every day that I had forgotten who I was and why I didn't take care of myself enough. And when I looked back, nothing had changed. So that really was a wake-up call to me to say, we've got to do something for the caregivers um, and our loved ones because diagnostics are coming earlier. Even in the latest studies, Ron, the care partner, the spouse, many of us don't even like to be called a caregiver because we're husbands and wives and we're adult children. We are there running interference to keep things as normal as possible for as long as we can until there's a role reversal. And that role reversal is probably the most painful. But it's my one and only book, Ron. There's Uh, not another book in (laughs) writing another book. Well, you're also donating 100% of the proceeds to 
uh, underwrite Alzheimer's research? I that was important to me. I could, first of all, I would never tell somebody, uh, give them advice on what to do because I wasn't sure that I would make it through because it was in the middle of my husband's disease and my mother. And I really felt I wanted to help other families. And that was, it was a personal decision. I've never looked back. The other thing for caregivers, and it's a little clue, I will give one bit of advice. Don't second-guess your decisions that you've made. You've made the best decisions at that point in time, and you just have to move forward. That's that, to me, was a you know a wake-up call for me as well. Don't second-guess it. You can't change it, and you've got enough ahead of you know enough ahead of you to deal with in caring for a loved one. That's great uh, advice. We we. Are as I know you understand, out of time. But for folks who want to learn more, is there a website they can go to? Yes, I would actually love them to sign up for the A-List. We want their voices. We want data with souls. Good. Uh, it's the A-List, A-L-I-S-T, the number four, for research, dot org. So it's A-Listforresearch.org. Got to stop you right there. I really, really appreciate you coming on and look forward down the road to touching back with you as we found out more out of all the research on Alzheimer's disease. Thanks, Meryl. Thanks. We'll give you an update. Okay. Bye-bye. You take care. Bye-bye. Delighted to have her on, Meryl Comer. You want to take a look at that book and take a look at her story. Thanks for listening. Caregiver SOS On Air. That's us. I'm Ron Aaron on 930 AM, The Answer. You've been listening to Caregiver SOS On Air, an exclusive presentation of the WellMed Charitable Foundation. We welcome emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. Join co-hosts Carol Zerniel and Ron Aaron next week for more on caregiving, improving the health and well-being of caregivers and their care recipients everywhere. For more on caregiving and podcasts of our programs, visit caregiversos.org.